Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. But I want to talk to you today about something different. Because I believe right now, even though we might be going through struggles and situations in our homes, our finances, I believe God is working on the behalf of His people. Amen. I believe that. I believe he's working on the behalf of this church and all of his people. And I want to use for us a, a beginning today, and I won't hold you too long, but I want, to, I want to start with the story of Balaam and King Balak. Let me give you a little background, okay? Like a sniper, Balaam has gone with Balak up into a mountaintop, and he's looking for the best, best vantage point he can find to fire curses towards God's people. He's going to get up there and he's just going to start firing curses on God's people. Now he'd been hired by what I would call a mobster, King Balak, who was the king of Moab. And what the problem was King Balak was, is he is now completely intimidated by Israel's growing strength. He has watched Israel march across the land and he's just witnessed what Israel's done to the Amorites. And so he's afraid, he's intimidated, and he wants to take no chances. He wants to make sure that he remains in complete control and power. In fact, he'd like to enlarge his kingdom, not shrink it. So he looks around in his concern and in his worries, his army's as big as it's going to get, and he knows of a guy named Balaam. Now, Balaam has a reputation for being a highly reliable assassin for hire. This guy was known throughout the whole region to whoever that Balaam blessed was blessed. And whoever Balaam cursed was cursed. So Balak comes to Balaam and he solicits his professional services as an assassin. He wants him to come and be a hit man against the children of Israel. So Balaam and Balak have climbed up to a high place. They're overlooking the oncoming army of Israel. And Balaam is supposed to curse those children. He's uh, the children of Israel. And so the Bible says that he opens his mouth to curse them. But as soon as he does, instead of cursing, blessing comes out. And Balak cries out these words in Numbers 23.1. What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them bountifully. So something inside of him was amazed. He, he said, man, I, I can't believe it. So now he offers him, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story, but he, more money, more power, more wealth, just curse these people. And so they take him to another high place. They're going to give it another shot. We're going to see if old Balaam can fire some curses down. And again, instead of, of, of curses, blessings come out of his mouth. Now the Bible teaches us in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, for the sake of time, I won't go there and, and read the whole thing. But God had put his words in Balaam's mouth. Whenever Balaam opened his mouth, God's words came out. And I want you to listen to what Balaam said. God inspired him. But listen to the words God spoke through Balaam. Numbers 23, verse 20. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. I want you to know that's how God sees you. That's how God sees you. When, did you know 
that when God puts a blessing on you, there's not a witch, a sorcerer, a devil, or a prophet that can reverse it. I don't care what anybody says, what anybody does, whatever voodoo, whatever. um, They try to mount themselves up to be something speaking. When God blesses, you are irreversibly blessed. Amen. In fact, so greatly that you've even been blessed and the the curse of the law has been reversed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now listen, people might say negative things about you. They might say things about you because of their envy or their jealousy or their fear or whatever reason. They start to spread nasty lies about you. Because really they're like Balaam, they're trying to assassinate your character. But I want you to know this, the Lord your God is your defender. Amen. It is God who gives influence to words. People can say what they want to say, but God is the one that puts influence on the words. And if they do not, if He does not place influence on them, the words will fall to the ground void. Amen. I don't care what they say. God can cause their words to drop dead and have no power. Amen. It is God that can turn a curse into a blessing. I want you to let that belief Believe this. Let it sink into your heart. In Jesus Christ, I am irreversibly blessed. Say that with me. You need to let your spirit smile again. That little smirky smile. You need to to listen to what I'm saying. God will see you through any storm that you're facing. You don't have to live in disappointment or discouragement or despair. Because when God is on your side, who can be against you? Amen. But you need to learn to believe that God is watching over you. God is watching over you. Now I want you to hear. that. I want you to notice something. The children of Israel didn't do anything to defend themselves against Balak. They had no idea this was even going on. They were completely oblivious to the fact that up on some mountain somewhere was some witch doctor trying to put a curse on them. They had no idea that was happening. Listen to what Psalms 121 says. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your helper. The Lord is your sh- uh, shade in the, uh, at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all. Everybody say all. All evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And even for how long? Forevermore. That's a great, great promise. God never takes a break. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's always awake. I don't care what your enemy's strategizing. I don't care where they're located. I don't care what time they're doing it. God is there. God is watching. And the Bible says He'll protect you from every danger, every moment of every day. I want you to notice what God did not see. What He did not see. Back to our text. He has not Observe the iniquity of Jacob. Nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Now we know that iniquity is not sin. It's not a transgression. A transgression is to know what to do and not do it. Choosing what to not do it, that puts you into rebellion. 
But this is an iniquity. Iniquity is a bent towards something. In other words, you have a bent towards addictions. You have a bent towards lust. You have a bent towards whatever. Good or uh, uh, something evil that will destroy your lineage. That's, that's an iniquity. God says, I'm not even looking at it. And he's talking to Jacob, which is refer- a referral to all the children of God. That includes us. He says, I'm not looking at that stuff. Now listen to me. If God or you and I could have zoomed in to the encampment of Israel and gone inside the tents, you would have heard all kinds of stuff inside those tents. You would have heard people complaining about Moses. You would have heard people uh, grumbling against things that were going on. You would have heard people losing their tempers at their wives. You would have heard kids yelling at their parents, parents yelling at their kids. You would have heard people coveting their neighbor's donkey. You'd have heard a wide variety of imperfections. You'd have heard a wide variety of sins and iniquities. But God says, I did not observe it. It did not say there was no sin. It did not say there was no iniquity. It simply said, God says, I'm not looking at it. Now, wait a minute. How can a holy God not see sin in me? In the Israeli camp in those days, it was because... Of their sacrifices. Every day they would sacrifice cows and oxen and goats and sheep and doves and all kinds of things. They were offered up daily. And so under the old covenant, the children of Israel benefited from a temporal covering. Every day they had to have a new covering because it only lasted one day. The manna lasted one day. The covering lasted one day. One day is all your sins were covered. And the next day you had to have another sacrifice. That's the way it worked. But under the new covenant, Jesus has become a payment for our sins eternally. Somebody say amen. It'd be hard to have a ranch big enough to take care of some of us. But Jesus has made a payment once and for all. And this is why God, when he looks at you, does not see your iniquity or your sins. It's because of Jesus. When God looks at you today, he sees you as righteous He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as healed. He sees you as favored. He sees you as blessed. He sees you as accepted. He sees you as the beloved. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means Christ was perfect. Now we have a problem in that we are, as people, so acutely uh, aware of every little flaw in our own physical... That's why most of you women spent a long time in the mirror today. Because you're aware of every little wrinkle, every little flaw, every little blemish. It's part of our emotional makeup. We, when we have a problem in our life of something that we've done, we have a tendency to keep replaying that problem over and over. We constantly remember our failures. We constantly remember our flaws. We constantly remember our mistakes. Some of you are still remembering mistakes that you made 15 or 20 years ago. And to this very day, you continue to replay them. You continue to replay them. I was up late the other night and working on some stuff on my computer. And Gail had gone to bed and she had left the, the television on. And so as I'm watching the television, they had a lineup of women up there. It was some women's, I don't even know what it was. And they were asked, each woman was asked, what is your best feature? What do you like the most about yourself? And you should have watched those women as they're, oh, yeah. they could not come up with answers. 
They were struggling to come up with the answers. But when they asked, when they asked those same women what they disliked about themselves, unanimously they said, Oh my God, where do I start? Okay? And so there's something here. And every one of them went on about some of them didn't like their hair. Some of them didn't like their nose. One lady didn't like her shoulders. I don't know. They, they just dislike different stuff. I, I was amazed. But I'm talking to you about our propensity to zoom in on the flaws and zoom in on the stuff that, that seems like we don't like. We have a, a great ability to look at things when there's a little flaw. I mean, there could be a great big whiteboard and one little black dot on it and that's all you see. There's something about it. We got all that glass out front and all I can see is those little handprints. <laughs> Hebrews 12 says, you know, how do we deal with this? Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. In the Amplified Bible, it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who is for the joy of accomplishing the goal, set before him endured the cross in other words here's what i'm trying to say to you instead of focusing on the flaws you have to learn to turn your eyes away from your flaws turn your eyes away from your failures away from your mistakes and fix your eyes upon what say it again jesus you gotta get your eyes off yourself quit looking in the mirror the emotional mirror Look on Jesus. And when you do that, when you look on Jesus, something in your behavior begins to change. Because now the old is gone and the new has come. But pastor, how can I, how, how can just looking at Jesus make me have a change? It's supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. It's not something you can do. It's something He does you got to get a hold of that. It's not your perfection, it's His. It's not your gift, it's His. It's not your power, it's His. When Peter looked on Jesus, he was okay. When he looked away, he started to sink in the water. There's something supernatural that happens when you can learn to fix your eyes upon Jesus. We need to understand what you're seeing about yourself. And what others are seeing about you is not nearly as important as how God sees you. Somebody say amen. Many people think God only sees their sins. He only sees their iniquities and their flaws. And God's up in heaven with a bigger boot than mine. Waiting to stomp on their little ugly heads. Because they made a mistake. He's waiting to punish them. I'm going to show you a lesson. This last week I received several texts from several leaders around the world and and inside of every text, I was heartbroken because inside of what they were writing to me, one of them's fighting with cancer, another's fighting with different things. Every one of them was looking at it as God teaching them a lesson. God punishing them for something they've done wrong. And that wrong belief system is producing a lot of problems in their lives and in their ministries. When you believe wrong, you live wrong. It causes you to have anxiety. It causes you to have fear. It causes you to have worry. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our high priest. Somebody say amen. He is, he is in love with us. 
We are precious to Him. In His eyes, you are the apple of His eye. He loves you and He cares about you. And I want to show you something real quickly this morning of a truth that's hidden in the breastplate of Israel's high priest. And I want to remind you that I do not believe there are any insignificant details in the Bible. When God puts a number or God says something, every word, every detail is important. Now, this breastplate, there should be a picture there now. Yes. That's the breastplate on the right that would be on the high priest's chest. The names of the 12 tribes were engraved on those precious gems. For example, the name Judah was engraved on the Sardis in the first row. The name Gad was engraved on the diamond in the second row. There's 12 precious gems there. Those gems represent God's people, then and now. I want you to notice something about those gems. They were all precious. They were deliberately costly, deliberately rare, and deliberately precious. You can read all about it in Exodus the 39th chapter. They had sapphire and topaz, emeralds and diamonds and onks and jasper. And and go read about it. But located, I want you to notice that, that breastplate was located on the chest. The closest place to the heart. A picture that God values you and keeps you close to his heart. In his eyes, in God's eyes, I don't care about your eyes, I don't care about your neighbor's eyes or your wife's eyes or anybody else's eyes. In God's eyes, you are costly, you are precious, and you are loved. And he holds you close to his chest. Somebody say amen. I want you to notice what I said, and you can study it out for yourself. The names were not merely written on the gems. The Bible says in Exodus 39, 14, they were engraved upon them. Because if you write something on a gem, it's easy to scratch it off or wash it off or blot it out. But when it's engraved, it's there. Revelation 3, 5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So what Jesus is saying through him As your high priest, you have been engraved and placed next to the heart of God. And now you are an overcomer. And now your name is placed in the highest places of heaven. And even every angel and God himself sees your name and knows your name. You have a name that you don't even know. When you get to heaven, you'll find out your name. I just hope my name isn't Ray Ray. (laughs) Needs to be something great. Revelation 12 verse 10 says, The accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcome him by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So I want you to hear this. The devil's always accusing. He's got your mind accusing you. He's got your neighbor accusing you. He's got everybody accusing you. The devil always accuses you for your mistakes. But how do you overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. It's not by what you've done. It's not by how perfect you are. God just simply does not see your sins, your iniquities, and your transgressions. He chooses not to see them. And you now have a word of testimony that you say, I believe that and I confess that and I'm going to walk in that. Amen. Heaven and eternal salvation 
have nothing to do with your self-efforts. You cannot pray enough, give enough, attend church enough to make yourself right. That would make you the Messiah. It's all about your belief in Jesus and everything that he has done for you at the cross. It's not about what you did for you. It's about what he did for you. It's not about what the church of God, Ray Kirkland, or anybody else did for you. It's about what Jesus Christ did for you. Now, perhaps you're like these people today, and you see yourself weak, guilty. You might see that I have an addictive personality, or I have anxiety attacks, or I've got these problems, and I can't seem to get over these problems. I want you to quit looking at the problems. I want you to turn your eyes away from your weakness and fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. You have to learn to see as God sees. When God sees you, He looks through the lens of Jesus Christ. He's placed you close to His heart. When you begin to understand that God sees you as true, righteous, precious to God. You have a God identity because of Christ. It will elevate you. It will lift you when you begin to realize who you are. Then you can be on top and overcome your addictive natures, your your bondages, your depressing consciousness and all this stuff. You can begin to push that down and holiness and good character and true morality begin to be birthed out of you because you see yourself as God sees you. Amen. If you see yourself as a dirty, rotten sinner, that wrong belief will cause you to behave like a Dirty, rotten sinner. If you see yourself as weak and unable, you will become weak and unable. If you see yourself in Christ, then Jesus is the light. Jim's always sparkle in the right light. Did you hear me? You are a gem. You are precious. You are held to the heart of God. And Jesus is the light. And if you see yourself through Christ the way God sees you, you will begin to sparkle. Look at your neighbor and say, I think you're sparkling right now. One more thing and I'll be done. Just a quick, quick note here. There's one more amazing secret that I discovered as I was just looking at this story again of Balaam and Balak. Do you know what Balaam saw from that mountaintop? He's climbed up there with this wicked mobster king, and they're trying to curse God's people. And what do you think he saw? He saw the cross. He saw the cross of Jesus. Now listen again. The Bible gives specific details, and those specific details are important. And the Bible tells us exactly how the 12 tribes of Israel were to set up their encampments. You can find that in Numbers, the second chapter. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun were on the eastern side. They were, they were the largest of the camps, and so they would set themselves up in three camps like this on the eastern side. They formed the longest extension. Let me show you how the camps looked. Look up here. That's what it looked like. That's what they saw. They saw the cross. Are you listening to me? They saw the cross. Now, these encampments are important. Everything is pointing to Jesus. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. All of that stuff points to Christ. It's amazing. God was revealing his cross even in that day. 
So while Balaam was up there trying to curse God's people, he caught a glimpse of how God sees his people. Amen. Of course, I understand Balaam didn't understand what he was seeing. I know the children of Israel didn't understand that they were setting up to look like a cross, but God did. And you and I do. Amen. When God looks at you today, you might not understand all the stuff, but God sees you as beloved. God sees you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. God sees you in a whole different light. In God's eyes, you're forgiven. In God's eyes, you're righteous. You're in right standing. You're precious. You're beautiful. You're valuable. Not because you're great, but because of the cross. Because of Jesus Christ. Somebody, hallelujah. It's time you need to see yourself again through the cross. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. And when you start to see yourself the way God sees you, you don't have to be perfect. You're going to have all kinds of weird stuff in your life. Some of you are just weirdos. It's okay. God loves you. Amen. God thinks you're precious. God's never made another one like you. You're a masterpiece in God's eyes. And God looks at you as irreversibly blessed. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what the world says. When you start to see yourself that way, it will cause you to rise up. It will cause the spirit arena to begin to have a shift and a change. The devil, I bless you in Jesus' name. The devil will not have the power and the ability to hold you back. As long as you see yourself as beat up and discouraged and slinking around, not letting your wife catch you. As long as you see yourself doing all that stuff, you know what's going to happen to you? That's the way you're going to live. Your business is going to struggle. Your children are going to struggle. All that stuff. But you just got to simply take your eyes off you and put them on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. He is the author of your faith. I don't have no faith. Then look at Him. He's the author of your faith. He's the finisher of your faith. The reason you're losing faith, you're looking at you. All I got to do is look in the mirror in the morning and I'm discouraged. But if I look at Him. Amen. I stand up here in front of everybody and say, not everybody's as good looking as me. That's in Jesus' name I say that. <laughs> it's not, it, you know, I'm learning to believe it because I'm not worried about how you see me. I'm worried about how he sees me. Amen. I'm not up here bragging on me. I'm up here bragging on him. Are you catching on? You've got to change. You are irreversibly blessed. The Bible teaches it all the way back to the very beginning that God looks at you through the cross. God places you next to his heart. God has engraved you and given you a name that's above every uh, all those names because he's placed you at the right hand seat of God. The, amen. Does that make sense? So today, as we start into this Pentecost Sunday, and we understand that God birthed something, we need to get out of that old religious mindset that we're just a bunch of weasels and maggots trying to survive. We need to get out of our sin consciousness that we're always a mess and always a mistake and start to see ourselves the way God sees us. we got to start to rise up as an army and begin to allow God to change us. We've got to shake off yesterday and go into tomorrow. Amen. Not everything about yesterday is bad, but some things need to be let go. When the horse is dead, dismount. Amen. Get up and begin to move forward. And when you move forward, move forward seeing yourself as God sees you. 
Seeing yourself the way God sees you with his heart. He loves you. He cares. Can you look at your neighbor and say, God just loves you, man. Now, most of you said, I don't know why. Don't start putting curses on people. Amen. Don't be Balaam. We go around and we say things to our kids and to our our friends and our neighbors. And there really are. They're almost curses. Don't take pot shots and fire curses. Don't let the devil use your mouth. If you're going to say something, say something through the mind of Christ. Say something through the mind of Christ. Speak a word that has it reflects the cross. Make the devil look at the cross every time you talk. Amen. And God will start to change things. The victory will start to flow. God can create unbelievable favor in your businesses, in your marriage, in your home, in your life. How many of you believe that today? Come on, give the Lord a big clap offering. Worship team, would you help me out for again? Give the Lord a big clap. Come on, give the Lord a big praise. We are irreversibly blessed. I want you to bow your heads if you would. Just for a moment. God is wanting this church. I, I spent quite a bit of time. And I was flustered because I was trying to preach on the Holy Spirit today. Because it's Pentecost Sunday. And the reason I was flustered is because that's not what God wanted to say to you today. It's not the, that's not a good message. It is a good message. It's powerful. It's awesome. Incredible. But there was somebody that God wanted to talk to today to tell you to get your eyes off your failures, your mistakes, your shortcomings, and your past bad history. And learn to fix your eyes on Jesus. Learn that you are engraved and placed on the bosom and the heart of your Father. And understand today that you are above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. Begin to see yourself through the cross. That means that it's not your perfection, it's His. And when those ugly thoughts, those thoughts that take you to pornography or drugs or alcohol or whatever they might be, it doesn't matter. Take anything that takes you away from God. When those thoughts come, no matter if they seem good, no matter if they seem right, if they take you and distract you from God, you've got to turn around and fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to fix yourself again. Fix yourself See the price that was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ for you. Every demon in hell darkened the skies. The earth quaked as demons come from within it. At the cross, and Christ was nailed there. Every demon had to take note that day and see the salvation of the Lord. Every demon had to watch Satan himself be triumphed over and drug up and down the corridors of hell. All on your behalf, my friend. I still haven't had time, but I'm going to do it. I promise I'm going to do it. I'm going to teach you and prove to you scripturally that every one of you have got 40,000 angels, a minimum of that. A minimum. I'll show you the Bible. They were assigned to you. There was actually more than that assigned to you. But a third of them fell with Satan. A third of those angels 
now war against you. They have no power because you have two-thirds and you have the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You have the armor and the power of God. They can't touch you. Unless you violate your freedom and walk out from underneath that and start to speak the words that they're giving you instead of the words God's giving you. Start to see the way they want you to see instead of the way God wants you to see. Amen. But your angels, those third, those ones that turn to demons, that now try to war against you, they were there that day of the cross. They saw Christ win the victory. They experienced the Father turn His eyes away from His Son. They experienced the death, the burial, the triumph, where He overcame every demon, every power, every sickness, every disease. And they experienced the resurrection. And they experienced him sitting, dumping out his blood before the throne of God. They experienced light returning into him. His power, his light began to manifest. He was glorified. He was demonstrating his power on your behalf. Look at that. That's what you look at. That's what you see. You're here today. And you're fighting against some stuff. Mistakes, thoughts that keep coming up. You just can't seem to get them off your mind. You did it. You feel, you feel like, I did it. I'm, I, I can't just believe God just doesn't see it. You need to believe God doesn't see it. If God still sees it, then Jesus died for nothing. God does not see it. That's what you need to believe. You need to believe that Christ died for your sins. Your iniquities. And God does not see your wickedness. God does not see your iniquities. Because of the cross. Pastor Ray, I need to get things right with God today. I want you to slip your hand up high and set it back down. Will you pray for me before you close this service on this Pentecost Sunday? I want to make things right with my God. Anyone at all, slip your hand up high and set it back down. I see this hand. I see this hand. Others, be honest today, slip your hand up. You're going to turn your eyes away from yourself and to God. I see your hand. God bless you. You're going to turn your eyes away from yourself. Yeah, that stuff's real, but we don't care about that stuff. Something's realer. Something's more great than that. And that's what Christ did for you. Now you're going to look at Him today. Lift your hand. That's me. That's what I'm going to do. Anyone else? I see your hands in the back. God bless you. Two more hands. Several hands have gone up in this place today. God's touching Now look up at me. Every one of us have demons assigned to us. And they'll always be assigned to you. They're not going nowhere. You are theirs. Now they'll have to march in dry places. They can't come nigh to you as long as you keep the house garnished. Okay? They can't get you. You've got the blood. It's It's a great gap. There's no way they can cross. Okay? You also have angels assigned to minister to you. You have the power and the blessing and the goodness of God. Choose to look at that. Let's stand. Some of you are looking at your grandchildren, looking at your children, and all you're seeing is their flaws. What I want you to learn to do is look to Christ instead of their problems. I want you to take your eyes off of the trouble that the children are having and place your eyes on Jesus so that your faith can rise, so your spirit can rise, so God can use you. 
to be an instrument in their lives. I'm going to open these altars. This, don't worry about what people think about you. Come down and say, God, place within me your eyes. Let me see my business, my daughters, my kids, my sons, my grand, the way you see them. In Jesus' name. And- we hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.